It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm thrilled that you're tuning in here today. We are continuing in a study that we have really been diving into with great precision because it is so critical that we get this right. It's the subject of conflict resolution. If you've missed the prior broadcast, you can go to calvaryfountain.com and there you can listen to those and share them with your friends and family alike. And I hope this is a blessing to you because really we're going to recap just here for a moment as we introduce what happened in Acts chapter 15. That's the baseline of what we can draw away from what we learn there between men of great faith that yes, conflict can occur. How do we handle it when it happens? Because if you're like me, you've probably been in some divisive matters. You're passionate about something. You've been walking with the Lord perhaps for many years, and and you see somebody who's convinced of something that you just disagree with, or perhaps you've had a fight, a spat with your spouse even today, and you're wanting to know, how do I navigate these issues with biblical precision, with the the grace, the mercy that God gives to us every day as we are to model how Christ walked and acted and served in this life. And we need the words that honor him. We need the right spirit. So as we navigate this difficult discussion now of conflict resolution, because it's not easy for any of us, uh, we've got to take a higher road here, and we've got to learn what the roadmap is to navigate these very precarious situations. And so to help me to do that, Dr. Steve Ford is here in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. It was a good recap of where we've been. I know we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so I don't want to hold things up, but <laughs> this is such a great discussion and a great biblical illustration between That's these right. two fathers of the faith. That's right. When we mentioned here of Acts chapter 15, and it's really a story that's captured in verses 36 to 41 of Paul and Barnabas. Let's start there because we have so much to cover as we learn a number of principles to draw from this and really all of the illustrations that the Bible gives us. And we think, well, conflict shouldn't be that common. It is. And for us, it's probably going to happen multiple times in a day even. It could be something that seems rather uh, small in, in the scope of well, all that's going on in this world today, we certainly can't fix what's happening in Ukraine right now, but what we can do is properly apply God's Word in the everydayness of life to have a stronger marriage, stronger relationships, because we need these doors to be open to give the gospel message, especially while people are fearful. They've got a great anxiety, perhaps, right now, a lot of consternation of what's going on in the world Again, we can't fix the bigger issues. We can certainly pray over those, and we dare not uh, downplay the value of our prayers, but we need to be practically applying God's Word right now is people need to hear the hope that's in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where he needs to find us faithful as our lanterns are full, eagerly looking for the return of the King while we're faithfully active, not just sitting down under a pomegranate tree as we see with Saul when the Philistines were mounting an offensive against Israel. He didn't know what to do. He seemed to be just uh, his hands tied in perhaps consternation and fear already under the judgment of God. He didn't move. He wasn't active. So the Lord needs to find his faithful in service. So there's a lot to learn scripturally. A lot of issues that are going on we see in Colossae and Philippi, Thessalonica. But in this particular section, in Acts chapter 15, let me highlight this for us. Let me read it to you now. 
And we're going to draw out of this a number of principles to guide us through conflict resolution. Here's what we read. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Uh, Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, and being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Now, this is a very interesting section here, because what we see is something that's often far too common, even within churches, this division that can happen even over good intention. You could certainly relate with Paul in this, and he almost comes across as the bad guy, right? That he's just saying, no, we we don't, let's not take this one who abandoned us. I mean, in Acts chapter 13, verses 13 to 14, we see that John Mark had left the team and had returned to Jerusalem. He had abandoned ship, if you would, uh, will there, because of what was before them, the consternation in his heart, his desire to get back to his people. Uh, But Barnabas says here, let's give him another chance. So using this passage, we can now draw seven principles from Acts chapter 15 on how to navigate this correctly. Principle number one, we covered this last week. Though all Christians worship the same Lord, we don't always agree on every point. And this we covered to some detail over the last couple weeks because there are some 41,000 denominations in the Christian faith and over 320 churches in America. That means that there's about eight churches for every denomination in America. And all you have to do is pick up those old yellow pages or white pages if you still have such a thing. And in that, you go through and find the list of churches in your town And you might just be overwhelmed by how many there actually are. In fact, in El Paso County, we have over 641 of them, right? So it seems like Christians unite around Jesus Christ and then argue and divide over about everything else. If we don't like what somebody's saying, we just go start another church rather than trying to work through these issues. Then you look to principle number two. And on this, what we find is that on issues of deep personal conviction, our disagreements will sometimes be very sharp. That's what we see here, is that there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas, not just a disagreement. They were both very passionate on this issue. I mean, if you look from Paul's perspective, as he's thinking about ministry in this, he had a big picture mindset. He he was thinking about the fact that they were about to leave on a mission trip. This is no Sunday school picnic. They're not they're not just going to, you know, the local mall here. They're going to uncharted territory to take the gospel to lost people and they're going into the mountainous regions. They're going to places where they may even face their death. I mean, on the first missionary journey, the one where John Mark had left them, Paul was stoned and left for dead. They could hardly expect anything better this time around. So so they would face great opposition, persecution, hardship, and sickness. And Paul knew that this was no place for a quitter, no place to take somebody who may not be 
fully committed no matter the adversity that they were about to experience here. So Paul's totally focused on reaching these people for Jesus Christ. He couldn't take a risk on this person. And so we have to give him the benefit of the doubt here. Well, Barnabas is thinking about the man. And we know that John Mark was his cousin, which means that there's family issues here to consider. So when Barnabas looked at John Mark, he's thinking about, you know, we we serve a God of grace. He is the God of second chances. Our God never gives up on anybody. I mean, Barnabas probably saw real potential in his young cousin, and he didn't want to turn him away just because he had a failure previously. And and maybe he's thinking, you know, Paul, maybe you've written this guy off, but I'm not writing him off because God has not written him off. And I believe in him, even though he's failed us already, I want to give him another chance. So, I mean, you could see that from both perspectives here, these men are not necessarily wrong, but yet in the middle, they, they fail to leave this situation, perhaps with a biblical guidance, a biblical rule to all of this, even though Paul would be used to write 14 books right. of the New Testament, right? right. right? <laughs> yeah. And doesn't Barnabas mean son of encouragement? That's right. So really, I think that tells us something about his personality. And, I, and we see that manifested here in the way that he treats John Mark. That's right. Well, and, and now let's look at principle number three. Uh, separation between friends may occur, but there is hope if we follow God's plan reconciliation. So as far as we can tell from this text, when Barnabas went one way and Paul went the other, they evidently left unreconciled. And you think, how could that happen amongst two patriarchs of the faith, men who are recorded in God's holy word forever? How could this happen? Well, nothing in the text indicates that they got on their knees and prayed together. They're passionate But we just don't see what could have transpired or certainly what didn't transpire and perhaps should have. So I find it interesting that Paul, the man who didn't want to take John Mark, writes more about the unity of the church than any other man in the New Testament. Let me just read to you some of the words that the Lord gave him. And remember, these men are conduits for God. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. They're the pen that God used, and sometimes they were verbalizing it to another who had actually penned the text. So you can see right away that God's instruction can be given through the conduit of a person, and yet that same person will struggle to live it out in total obedience. And Paul talks about that in Romans 7, that my flesh is in contention with the will of God. I I appreciate that transparency from him. Yeah, I don't know about everybody else, but that really makes me feel better. (laughs) about my own personal journey. I'm a good company. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, here's just some of the, let's just listen to a couple, uh, well, a few here. I've got a few verses that just uh, bear in mind that the Lord used Paul, had him write these words, and now he has to live it out just like all of us. In Romans 12, 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Uh, Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Romans 12, 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, Ephesians 4.3, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Philippians 2.2, 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Those are just a few. And so we must try 
to reconcile and be at harmony with all. That, that's the goal here. It is, it is, I think it's interesting here that Luke includes this in the book of Acts. I mean, he could have just glossed over it. He, he could have just tried to make them look really good. Right, right. And if anything in the Bible, it seems like we're to learn from the failures of the patriarchs, even King David and Saul and other many others throughout Scripture, even Adam's own failures, Moses, as he was trying to give excuses before the Lord of why he couldn't do the job. Right. We learn so much for the, from their expressions of weakness to relate with them, identify with them, that though these were the appointed men or women for the assignment, they likewise struggled with total obedience even though the words were right there coming from their own lips. Right. And don't we learn a lot about God that he works through those weaknesses? That's right. You know, and his power is magnified through it. We see it in the Old Testament and the New. Yeah, that amen. Amen. I mean, this just reveals the the authenticity of God's holy word. Because so often when men write texts, right. especially man-made religion, uh, we just try to uh, elevate man. And, and insist in some way that there's perfection in men uh, and, and create the illusion of things, whereas the Bible just lays it right out for us. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It speaks to the fact that what we're reading is, is historical narrative. It's right. not fiction, because fiction, you wouldn't put those things in there. You would want to glorify these people and, like you said, lift them up on a pedestal and make them look perfect. But historical narrative just tells it like it is. Right. The good, just the bad, and the ugly. It all. Right. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So amen for the transparency of them having to walk out what they have been given yeah, right. from yeah. God himself. I mean, this text is both honest, it's very comforting, because it tells us that men of the Bible were not angels, right. they're not perfect, they were men with strong feelings and, yes, even strong convictions. Uh, principle number four is that God's work is sometimes advanced through disagreement. So before we had two men, one team, one place. Afterwards, we've got five men, two teams, Two places. And before the trouble, there were only two men, Paul and Barnabas, on one team going to one place, which is Asia Minor. And after the argument is over, you've got five men Paul, Silas, Timothy, Barnabas, and John Mark, and two teams going to two different places, Cyprus and Asia Minor. Therefore, what we see here is that the gospel is now being spread by more people to more places. So even in this disagreement, that is not the outcome we should seek. But even in this, God's will cannot be thwarted. It's our blessing to be obedient, right? We receive the joy of obedience. God's will can't be thwarted even by our disobedience. But when we're in alignment with his will, when we've done it right, oh, there is peace that surpasses understanding. In Romans eight twenty eight, we read, and we know that in all things, even, may I add, our sharp disagreements, that God works for the good of those who love him. You know, even Martin Luther, when he put those 95 theses on the door, uh, you know, when he was challenging the, the universal church, the Catholic church at that time, what we see is from that point forward, you not only have this Protestant Reformation, you've got the Bible being written in multiple languages, spreading across the world. So yes, even in disagreement, and it was right to challenge those things when we were in error and needed to be course corrected. And and there were many layers beyond that, even past Martin Luther, in which there were even further corrections. And so sometimes in these disagreements, we can see that this is a, a helpful and edifying thing to get us back to the plumb line that God has set. Uh, in, in principle number five, let me read this one to you. If friends or believers must separate from one another, let us do so with respect, not with anger or bitterness. I, I think if there's 
any place here to criticize Paul and Barnabas, it's right here. It seems to me that perhaps they went too far in their disagreement. It's not sin to disagree. Think about that for a moment. It's not sin to disagree. We don't have to agree on everything. It's really quite impossible, it seems, to be able to do that. But if you want to go play a saxophone on a Sunday morning, that's not the majors of Scripture. Now, we need to talk about those things. You want to go fishing? Go fishing. You want to wear pants in church? Well, okay, wear pants in church. You want to grow a beard? Fine. Let's not major in the minors. But we don't have to agree on every detail. But when we have a disagreement we need to do so with respect. If there's one mistake that Paul and Barnabas made is that they may have crossed that line with this strong disagreement. They're so passionate, it seems that they're not even hearing the heart of the other. And again, this is not to criticize Paul or Barnabas, because as we'll see here in a moment, there is healing that will come. But what we can do is learn from this. And I know that there's some warning signs that we can certainly draw from that. There are. I think you make some great points. It took me a long time to realize that intelligent people of goodwill can reach different conclusions looking at the same information. Yeah. Amen. And, and, you know, we just need to accept that. And, and you know, obviously the things that you're talking about are not orthodoxy. Right. You know, like I said, we're talking about cushioning on the chairs, what kind of music <laughs> we're playing, you know, all those right. things that could actually, you know, split a church. But yeah. you're right, there are three really consistent warning signs that we need to, when we see these coming, we know that we've gone too far. Right. And really, the first one is, you know that you've gone too far when the, when the issue, whatever it is, becomes a controlling passion in your life. Mm-hmm. That, that's a real biggie right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, we see in scripture, in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Mm-hmm. Number two, oh yeah, definitely. And number two, when you begin to attack the person and not the problem. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, how many counseling sessions have I had because the way we responded to the person now dominates the issue rather than the core of the issue. (laughs) Right? Like, what were we fighting about again? I'm just mad about how you yelled at me, right? Yeah. You learn a lot about that. <laughs> so that's definitely a big one. And as you mentioned, a pretty common one. Uh, number three, when you would rather talk about your issue than about Jesus Christ. And that just, this one, even as, even as I, I say that, just breaks my heart. That's true. That's true. We, we could do better in that because, uh, boy, I got to tell you, even after church on Sunday, from after services all the way through Monday, all I received were one uh, lit, list of emails and texts and calls of concerns and issues and negativity. Even though we have this wonderful group of people who come together and worship, they're so fixated on their wound, right. on their struggle, that that's what they wanted to talk yeah, about. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. Instead of, <laughs> right. I almost wonder, did, did you hear anything in the message? Yeah. Because yeah. your wound is festering so badly. Right. That, that you're almost deaf yeah. to the joy of hearing God's word now because the pain is so loud right. in your mind. But then we feed it. We yeah. constantly feed it instead of saying, Lord, I, there's so much more for me to celebrate right now. Uh, Dr. Ford, we were talking about before the program, we've been dealing with some high winds here in Colorado. And I remember going outside in the the front of the church there, we have a couple banners and one of them was ripped up. The wind just shredded it. And I was grieved over that because it was a rather expensive banner and I didn't want to spend more money to replace that. And I'm lamenting the torn up banner and then simultaneously, I read the news about how there is a tornado or series thereof that go through Texas destroying homes right. with the same windstorms coming through our area. And I'm like, 
Boy, my problem really wasn't right. nearly yeah, as I, bad. I, Forgive I cried, me, Lord. I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Yeah. yeah. Boy, amen. Yeah. Well, principle number six, in Christ, our ultimate goal should be eventual reconciliation and the restoration of friendship. We see that in Matthew 18, 15 to 35, and Christ was really clear on this in Matthew 5, 23 to 24. He says, therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and there remember that your brother is something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. It's first things first. And as we run the clock ahead about 10 years we have to ask, how does Paul feel about Barnabas now? A decade has gone by. 1 Corinthians 9, 6 gives us a hint. He mentions Barnabas as a fellow apostle and a fellow worker in the cause of Christ. And 10 years have now passed from that particular argument, and Paul is able to look to Barnabas and say, my friend, my fellow apostle, my partner, and my co-worker. So something happened in that reconciliation process. And I praise God that we get that clue that, yes, something has healed here. Even Paul, as we mentioned John Mark, and perhaps Paul was thinking John Mark was at one point a quitter. Did he ever change his opinion? Well, 15 years has gone by then, and Paul is imprisoned in Rome. And at the end of his letter to the Colossians, he adds these telling words. He says in Colossians 4.10, my fellow prisoner sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So John, Mark, and Paul are not only friends, but now that Paul's in prison, who's there taking care of him? Oh, that quitter, John Mark, right? So three more years pass, and Paul's in the jail again for the last time here, and soon he'll be put to death. And from his prison cell in Rome, he writes to his young friend Timothy, these are his last recorded words in Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talks about the fact that so many people have left him. Only Luke is with me, he says. And then he says here, verse 11, 2 Timothy 4, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful for me for ministry. So here he specifically highlights him. So in his last days, Paul wanted John Mark by his side. What a change from the earlier opinion. So once Paul didn't want anything to do with him, now it's all changed. This man is no longer a loser, but almost a hero. And Paul says, bring him here. I need him. And sometimes our disagreements seem so deep that we think that whatever we've separated over is just going to last forever because sometimes we're still in the family of God here after all, but sometimes it just feels so personal. We think it's just going to take centuries to heal from this, and time doesn't heal all wounds. But sometimes the passage of times allow a new perspective to develop. I think that's the spiritual maturation. And, and Dr. Ford, principle number seven here, maybe we can highlight some of this again next week, just in brief as we change gears and continue in this yeah, vein of thought. Great. But principle seven is hold on to truth firmly, yet graciously, knowing that God may lead someone else differently than he has led you. I mean, Romans 14, 5 says that each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. I mean, again, if you you know want to wear pants to church, whatever that issue is, that's between you and the Lord. Don't be a distraction. Don't take away from what the Holy Spirit's doing. Don't major in the minors. But 
what we have to say here is that we need to be fully convinced. We need to take every matter to prayer. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, gentle with our words, hearing the heart. Maybe we struggle with the words to speak. I mean, sometimes they just get all fumbled over themselves, right. and we're not articulating the depth of what we're trying to communicate or convey. And I think that's where we need to be better at listening to what they're trying to say. And if we're not prideful, if we have put aside pride and arrogance, and we're quick to listen and with respect, it is amazing how we can put aside all divisive matters because we truly care about the well-being of the one speaking. And we care ultimately about Christ being glorified. It's not about us. So, Dr. Ford, we're out of time again. And I know you've got a series of notes yet to go through with us. We're going to cover some more steps that we can really draw from this text. And yes, even some other further takeaways. So here I thought we might be able to get through it in three weeks. It's obviously going to run into a fourth year. Conflict resolution is just something we can't just skip over. It's a very deep and serious matter. So I want to thank you all for listening today. Dr. Ford, thank you for your wonderful words of wisdom. If you want to listen to this broadcast again, please go to calvaryfountain.com. And services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays at Calvary Fellowship, Fountain Valley Church. We'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.